Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Good morning, church. Hey, uh, why don't we kind of start to bring it back in? I'll introduce myself. I'm, uh, my name is Mike Crowley. I'm part of the teaching team. And uh, the band just gave my message. <laughs> no, it, that was awesome, that worship. But we're going to talk a lot about that. A lot about that today. Worship. Um, I, let's start with Psalm 34.3 as we gather back here. And, and you need to say this, I'm, I, this is from the Passion Translation, but you need to say this with some excitement, because I'm going to. Join me, everyone. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's make Him famous. Let's make His name glorious to all. Amen? Amen? Well, let's pray. Sovereign God, we come to you, and we implore you today. We beg you to expand our vision of you today. Give us more of a grasp of your majesty, and declare to us your glory. Then draw us to our knees in awe and reverential worship of you. Amen. Amen. I uh, didn't know where to set this in, but since I'm wearing my Ben Franklin glasses here, I thought I'd tell you guys all. Today, in 1787, he was in the midst of chaos at the Constitutional Convention, and they couldn't, they were at an impasse. They didn't know what to do. They were bickering, and I mean, they had fallen into really calling each other names, and you, you guys know what that's like, right? Division. And you know what he said? He goes, you know what? We started this country in prayer. It's time that we all came back to prayer. And they dismissed for the day, and they all went home, and they came back the next day, and they got past that impasse. So I'm calling you back today on that anniversary. We're here. All right, so worship. Um, I didn't know how to bring this, but just that whole definition of bringing, being in God's presence, and, and this is really going to be about being in his presence more and more and more all the time. But when you, you've experienced this before where you left worship here with us, or you experienced it with, uh, uh, on your own, you had a playlist that was your favorite, um, you got into worship, or you're in a word that you could just feel God speaking to you. And then you go out the door, and life smacks you in the face. And you get knocked down. You know, what's your response then? Or maybe it lasts the rest of the day. You're coming back from church, and you're having a great day. But then you go to work, or something happens the next day, and you just feel abandoned or lost, hopeless. You know, we seem to live in these days with so much turmoil and uncertainty. There's fear of the unknown and the potential for a virus to make us sick. It, and I said fear because... There's so much of our action that's driven by fear. Or maybe it's financial stress. Even if you had a great business or you were, you're doing managing well at your house, we've seen how government stepped in to shut things down, and that was out of our control. So it can cause some financial stress. And then I mentioned it earlier, but we have so much division uh, in our culture today at so many levels, at, at just about every level. Well, last week, Isaac opened up the series named uh, Out of Egypt, and he talked about the Israelites coming out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt, 
and walking in full freedom. And that's what we're going to talk about, walking in that full freedom. Jesus has broken those chains. Like I said, we, we could just review those four songs, and that's this message. Those, if you didn't get it then, take notes now. Um, Jesus has broken those chains that enslave us all, and we have to release them. So they're broken. We've got to release them. We have the power with the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome, but we must step forward, and that's our exercising of our faith. So I want to pick it up uh, in Exodus 13 and then 14, and honestly, we're going to talk about 15 a little bit too, um, <laughs> because it's when they had been released and they were beginning to walk in their freedom, but they're confronted with their first obstacle. So like I said a while ago, you're worshiping, you're in that zone, and all of a sudden you get smacked with life. When you get hit with that obstacle, I want to look at their response and then God's response to them walking and us walking in our freedom. So just, I'm going to summarize really quickly, but they had just seen, the Israelites had just seen the power of God through the ten plagues and their own protection as they had been exempted from the worst of the plagues. And while the rest of Egypt was torn down and decimated by these plagues, they got to be set free. They had to have been in awe, in a state of worship, if you will. Sorry. Uh, knowing that God was with them and he was protecting them. And I think when we read this account, and, and I'm, it's history. It is God's story of working his people through history, and we get to be a part of it. So this isn't just a history lesson to know. This is a history lesson to feel the impact of God's power. So when we look back at that and we think they should have known, they should have trusted God at every command, been willing to wait patiently for his commands, wait for his timing, as they began to journey into the promised land. Yes, they had a promise from God. So what more is there to worry about? Every promise, we sang it a while ago, is yes and amen. It will come to pass. But if we stop and think about it, um, we're not much different, are we? In our responses, much of the time, we doubt, we fear, we look to others for guidance. We look around to see what everybody else is doing. Uh, to, to their responses in the pressures in life. We have so much evidence of God's faithfulness and his power to allow us to walk in our freedom, but we still fail. And it's okay, but it's not. All right, let's do a quick review. These 10 plagues, and I'm just going to blow through these, but so there was water turned to blood. This is God's power over nature. He created everything, and he can change its nature. The next three, there were the plague of the frogs, the gnats, and the flies. And this is God showing his power over all of those areas, the air, the, the dirt, the land, and the sea, the water. So he's got it all under his control and dominion. But I want to highlight number three, or the, yeah, the, the gnats. When they came in here, up to this point, the magicians, for Pharaoh's magicians, had been mimicking him. He'd be, they'd been saying, oh, we can do that. Well, this one, they said, wait a minute, we can't do this. God distinguished the Israelites from the Egyptians, and, he, and they did not impact the, the uh, Israelites. And this is when even Pharaoh's magicians said, this is the finger of God. So they even bowed to him and gave him credit. The next three... Uh, plagues were livestock and the boils and the hail. 
I don't want to talk too much about it other than this one's kind of fun because I'm Henri. The Boyles um, made them humiliated because they felt like they were superior to everybody else, and this made them unclean. So uh, the tenth one, I'm sorry, the eighth and ninth ones, the locust and the darkness. The darkness I'm going to talk about a little bit more later, but it's a darkness. It's not just the absence of light. It's a complete division of everything that God's designed in light, and, and this darkness could be felt. So you know when you're in this darkness that God, if you're separated from him, that's hell. You can feel this darkness, and I'm, we're going to talk about that again. And the last one was the firstborn, the death of the firstborn. And if you didn't put the Passover blood over your, your doorpost, there was a dead firstborn in your household wherever in Egypt. And it's the destruction of the image bearer, of God's image bearer. And if you look at this, it's a perversion of creation. If it's a backwards descent of taking Egypt down because they continue to worship other gods and they were evil. So does everybody in awe now? I mean, God can do wonderful things in a way that just brings us to our knees. So with this preparation, God said, it's time for you to go, Israelites. And we're going to look into 14 now. Actually, the end of 13, as we come out of Egypt, free to walk out of their bondage. Now, um, where Egypt is, Isaac talked a little bit about this. The Israelites were up in this area called Goshen. It was a very fertile land. And then right to the east of that is the Sinai Peninsula. And it's divided by water. It makes this triangle. And um, the upper part of it goes just under the Mediterranean Sea. Now, that would have been the shortest route for God to lead the Egyptian, or the Phil Israelites, but it would have been through the land of the Philistines, and it would have been a sure place for them to have to battle to go to war. So that's uh, one point I want to dis uh, distinguish. And then this water, this Red Sea that they're going to have to cross. So in the Exodus 13, at the end of it, we talk about the pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And verse 17 says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. All I want to say is God knows us better than we know ourselves. They may felt like they were free and ready to go to battle and just head to the promised land, but God knew better. And he was going to use this Red Sea as an obstacle to trust him again. So picture this. God's got these 600,000 men, their wives and their children. So I'm going to give it 2 million to 2.5 million people are all marching. And they go camp and they face the Red Sea because that's where God told them to. Well, then Pharaoh realizes, hey, I just made a huge mistake, and he's going to go after them. But they move out with the presence of God, manifested in a pillar of a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. That is so key to this. So instead of God leading them through that place, that short route, he knew they were going to become um, confronted with this obstacle down here at uh, this red, the Red Sea in front of them, but behind them was coming Pharaoh's army. And then as if this wasn't bad enough, they start to bicker, and naysayers come out, and they're the ones that are 
are talking down. They even said, Moses, why'd you bring us out here? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt to die? We could have just stayed there and died. Well, what's happening is God is actually forcing them to trust him to work for them. Get that. He's working for them first before he's going to work through them. And he does that for all of us. He sets us up to trust him in the place that we are. Next week is a sailor. We mentioned earlier, that is going to be a great place for you to sit and review and figure out where God has you so that he, he has worked for you. Now, what does he have to work through you to do? Okay, so verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. This is a key verse. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before them. God never leaves us. It may not look like the cloud. It may not look like this fire, but he never leaves us. He's with us. So through this process, again, he would, they would get to experience his power, his protection, his deliverance again, just like they'd seen with the plagues not that long before, and they'd already started to doubt. Now, Exodus 14, um, he gives, at the first couple of verses, God gives Moses to give to the people a little bit of his vision. And he says, tell them, I'm doing this so that I will get glory over Pharaoh. Just to help them understand, God's got them and a plan that he's using to teach Pharaoh a lesson. Not to mention what he's going to do with them in the promised land. And I don't have time to talk about what he's going to do with them there. Um, when the naysayers come out, you know, they had just experienced the awe and the power and the protection of, from the, the plagues that hit Egypt, and they're starting to fail already. And this is going to be repeated all through Exodus. It is like the best picture of the whole Bible of God's provision and his redemption, our turning, I'll call us turning because we do the same thing, away from him, and then him setting up some way to bring us back to him. So the leadership that I want you to look around for and maybe call this out of you, uh, in the middle of uh, Exodus 14, Moses steps up and he tells the people, fear not and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. If you want to remember a verse, remember that one from today. Trust in him, just rest and be silent. We need to be people who remember this. God's fighting for us. And then go back and remember that he's doing all of this for his glory. Always bring that back in. What's going to bring him the most glory? Now, I talked about that pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, and, and God's leading him up, and he says, wait, and then all of a sudden now it's time to go. So, the angel of the Lord of God was going before the host of Israel, and he moved and he went behind them. So if I could draw this video, you've got this two and a half million people. There's the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armor's coming. Here's the pillar of cloud, and God moves back behind them. So he's protecting them, physically protecting them from the Egyptian army that's coming after them. And this is the best. This is their, all their chariots, their, their, their best ones. And God's going to physically separate light and darkness, give the Israelites light to proceed through the Red Sea, 
and darkness to con confuse the Egyptian army. This, you've got to spend time in Exodus reading this to get the full impact. So God goes behind them. He separates them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel, and there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other. So there was a very clear separation between the light and darkness. Only God can do that. And if you go on down through here, uh, God tells Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. It separates. And I've heard so many explanations about how they could have done this, what would have been happened naturally. I'm telling you, this is what God says. There was a wall of water to the left and to the right of them, and the people of Israel walked through the, on dry ground. You've got to believe that. You've got to trust God for that impact. You can't just explain these things away. And then Israel saw the great power of the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. So there it is, right there, his power, his protection, his power over all of nature and over the direction of these kings, his protection to bring them out for a purpose, his deliverance through what was sure to be defeat. So Israel believed them, but he, they believed in what they saw, this power because of the great acts. And this is where I do not want you to miss this, because this is the whole series right here. They didn't believe that they were free yet. They were free to go. They were no longer slaves. All they had to do was walk through there. They did it, but it was because of God's power. And I don't want you to get lost in just waiting for the next big miracle. Walk forward. You're free. Okay. Now, this has got to be our response, and this is what I wanted to catch from all the worship. Exodus 15, it's called the Song of Moses, and it's a worship song, and it's passionate, and it's heartfelt, and I can just imagine them singing it very loudly. It's heartfelt praise to God for delivering them from Pharaoh and bringing them through the Red Sea. So, obstacle and enemy, God delivered them through. So they knew his power, and in Exodus 15, this song of Moses, they're testifying to his miraculous deeds, and they're recalling his promises. I'm going to read a few verses to just pull them out. So verse 1, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. He's my father's God, and I will exalt him. And they go on, and they tell the story of what just happened. So they have their deliverance. They're, they know they're on this trail to the promised land, but they stop and they worship. This is a part of their everyday life. This needs to be a part of your everyday life. It doesn't have to be Sunday. This might have been Tuesday morning that they went through the Red Sea. So you stop and you praise and you worship and you take him with him. In this praise, they continue to talk about how his right hand is so powerful and glorious. And they go through and they even prophesy in this praise that the people around them that have heard, they're going to tremble. They're going to they're going to be seized with pangs of fear. Um, he talks about Philistia and Edom and Moab. All of them will be melting away. In fact, 
about 42, 45 years later, when Joshua was eventually taking this, this group, this same group, only it was their kids, into the promised land, they're getting ready to go take Jericho. Joshua sends some spies in, and they meet up with Rahab. She's protecting these two spies. She's hiding them, and before she leaves them for the night to let them go, she says in Joshua 2, I'm just going to read it because it's good. She came to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. So they're testifying to that ground was dry as they went through uh, before you when you came out of Egypt. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and the earth below. So, you know, terror, it struck everybody, all those nations around there. They knew who God was. They knew the real God, even though they worshiped other false or lesser gods. So let's go on. After they worship in Exodus 15, they're beginning to go again. So Moses, you know, takes them. They, uh, Miriam actually gets involved in that and has a chorus for the women, uh, the triumph gloriously, and the horse and the rider has also thrown in the sea. So they go three more days of marching, and it's dry and they're without water, and they come to a place called Mara. And Mara means bitter because the water there was bitter. So what do they do? They weren't praising anymore they started to complain, and they complained to Moses, and Moses prays to God. That's what we need to do. We need to turn to God. Turn to, ask the Holy Spirit for direction. You may have an occasion that you are doubting. Turn to God. You may have the occasion that you're fearful. Turn to God. Ask him. So Moses sets that up. He does it for us. He says, what shall we drink? And, cry, and he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. And uh, as Sherry and I were talking about this, I just had to throw this in because this log from God made the water sweet. But the next log that we see, and I don't know if it's the next one, but the one that really counts, Jesus on that tree, on that log, he cured this problem we have from sin and separation from God. So God has a way of doing this and these themes that run through the Bible. And you may run through it, read through it, a hundred times, and that comes out, you know, the next time that you read it. Okay, so God gives them water to drink, but he says this, and you have to remember this. This is key to being a Christian and living out your faith. So there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And I don't want you to hear out of that the law piece of it, like you've just got to follow a bunch of checklists. What I want you to hear is that he wants you to turn your heart to his heart, and he'll protect them. And he used those words the diseases and that he's a healer because they had just seen what happened to the Egyptians. Okay, so they came out and they're on the road again. We're not different. We're not different from them. We experience the presence of God. We see his hand in our lives or those close to us. 
but then we fall back into doubting or depression. How do we keep the worship going? How do we do that? How do we keep going while, while we work through challenges and obstacles of each day? Well, Isaac mentioned it. We've sing, sang about it today. Somehow we need to break strongholds in our thinking. We need to spend time getting to know God through his word to become better at, at relating to him, that, that turning our hearts to him, making it much more automatic or, or a practice like our breathing. This will enable us to throw off those changes to release them. We'll get rid of those habits of negative thinking. And we'll be able to act in order to walk in that freedom, trusting God in everything. And he has work for us to do. We've got something to do. It's not like we just got to get past this one point. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. As I was walking up here, somebody actually said that verse to me. I was like, yeah, that's a good verse to put in here. So, so how do we learn and know and think about God first? How do we stop leaning on our own understanding and truly lean on the Holy Spirit of God, the God of all creation, of Yahweh? I think we ought to start using that word again, Yahweh. We had to bring it back. Psalm 37, 5 it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Another verse that I like uh, in Proverbs, two verses, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That, that sounds great. It sounds easy, um, but it isn't. <laughs> We've got to retrain the way we think. Uh, when I was growing up, or I was born in a family that took me to church. The church I went to uh, taught a confirmation, and it's just it's basically learning the doctrines of the Bible. And it's designed that you'll memorize those. And in theory, it's designed that you'll put those into practice and it'll change your life. Well, that verse 37.5, when I was 12 years old and I went through confirmation, that was my confirmation verse. So commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. You'd think that my life would be perfect. You'd, I'd be right on track, right? So the problem is I've committed it to memory, but I haven't really committed it to the way I think and live my life. And, and what's hard is I've, I've been taught other very good things over the last 50 years, but practices and ways of thinking. So... I still need that renewing. I still do that renewing of my mind. So several months ago, and this has been going on for months, but I was, um, I was really depressed or in a depressed mood in and out, and I was having trouble sleeping, and, and things just didn't make sense why I couldn't sleep. But it was a struggle because not, things aren't working out in my time or the way I think they should, even with my understanding and my personality of letting things go, it still was a struggle. Um, I get frustrated because like, I have a degree in finance and accounting, and sometimes that doesn't work out for me as far as my plans for the money. Um, I was taught a lot about logistics and planning in the, in the military, and there again, my plans don't always work out. And it did cause me a lot of frustration. I could work with and change my plans a little bit, but at some point, it was getting me depressed. 
I could go on with more examples, but they all boil down to me actually putting my trust in that teaching or that doing or my thinking. But it wasn't taking it all to God and trusting him and his timing. He knows all the information. He knows he's got control over all the resources. He is in sovereign control out of everything all the time. In fact, it, it was becoming a form of slavery for me and my abilities uh, in my thinking and man's thinking. I, a lot of us do this, but I, I, it became a, a struggle what other people thought or what I thought they thought. I, I was probably even wrong about what they thought. We, my confidence needs to be in his faithfulness. I just wrote that down when we were singing, and I'm like, yes, that's where that goes. So I shared this struggle with Sherry and some friends, and over the next few days after that, as I begged God to leave me out of this depression, you know, yes, I was praying for a change in circumstances, but I was also praying for peace. I was praying for his working and for him to take it, for me to be able to give it to him and him to take off the stress. Well, I was led by the Holy Spirit to begin reading Psalm 119, and I didn't know why. Well, I read it, and I broke it down, and I underlined key verses. And then day after day, I really noticed the word testimony or testimonies. So the month of May and a little more, I've, I spent just dwelling in Psalm 119 and I, gathering all the times that he said testimonies. And you know what I got? I got peace. And in Psalm 119, it's, it says your, it's, your word is a lamp to my feet. That's Psalm 10, or verse 105 in there. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And you just keep saying that. And Psalm 119 is 176 verses in eight verse stanzas. And every stanza begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And I'm, I've known that for a while, but it just hit me. It's like it is so thorough that it needs to permeate every area of your life, that to know him more intimately. So it's not about Psalm 119, it's about the rest of his word. So I picked out two verses just to kind of key in on what I want you to hear out of that. Verse 59 says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet towards your testimonies. So when we have our struggles, when I think about his ways, I turn to him. And verse 79 says, let those who fear you turn to me that they may know the testimonies. So not only is it impacting me, I get to help other people. I get to share that with them. So we are to spend time and attention falling in love with God, falling in love with him through his word. If you do this, you'll begin to, it'll be like breathing. He'll have those answers. That wisdom will come through in your responses. We need to recall the nature and the faithfulness of God, to know him well, and then to live with him every day, not just getting by, but with confidence in him, in his promises that he will fulfill them. Romans 2.13 says, it's for, not, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who are justified. We need to do this. We've got to be in love with God and his word and do this in our life. James 1.22 says it again. 
be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You can't just sit here or listen to it on Facebook Live and then not have it change your life. Please begin to walk in this. So this is what I want to give you today. It's peace from his testimonies in your testing. When you're tested, trust him. Go to his word. Go to his precepts, his nature, his attributes. And in order that you will have that bold confidence in your testimony and how God's working in your life. So what happens when you walk out of your slavery and you encounter your next obstacle? Or you can feel that enemy closing in on you? Or what happens when you figure out that it's not just one enemy, and it's not one obstacle, that you're going to continue to trust in him and the knowledge of the nature of God. And when you know in your heart that God is faithful and he's all-powerful and he's all-knowing and the enemy keeps ta- attacking you, you know where to put that. So this is what we're going to do. You're going to continue to learn God's testimonies. You're going to leave here and you're going to pull that word out. And I don't know where you want to start, but ask the Holy Spirit. There's so much. There's enough for us to continue to learn for eternity. There's that much. You're going to fall in love again with the Word and more each day. You're going to learn His nature and His faithfulness. You're going to trust in Jesus because of His great acts and His testimonies that they've made us free. Don't be like the Israelites and just stand there and worship God because of his miracles and then wait for the next one. Walk out because you're free. And then rest. When he says to be silent, rest in him. That presence of God, let him dwell. Let him go before you. Let him do the work that he's going to do for you. He's going to work for you so that he can work through you. And then we can live and walk. When that enemy attacks again, trust in God's power. Share your testimonies. We all have them. And I I struggle with it. I don't know what platform you want to use, but I love the kitchen table. And if you can't do a bunch of posts on social media, don't worry about it. Just do that kitchen table. Do that neighborhood. Do that work. You have influence over some people. I don't care who you are. You have influence in somebody's life. Take this and move with God's favor, his, his nature, his testimonies. And I want to say, we're going to hear more about testimonies. So be prepared. Pray with me. Father, we come and we just want to continue to worship. We've been worshiping you all day and we're going to continue to worship. And as we learn and we think, we ask you to teach us. Teach us what we need to know out of your story, out of history, so that we can be emboldened to walk out today, to walk out and worship you every step. Just like breathing, it becomes our second nature. We just praise you, Lord. As we sing this last song, motivate us to walk out of here unstoppable. In Jesus' name, amen.